0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker Dear Heavenly Father, I know it seems like an eternity when there's nothing going on, when we just sit here in silence, oh God. Father, I, I pray that you would soften our hearts, Father, today, and that we would be able to see you in the fullness of your glory, oh God because we know that you have something incredible for us. Jesus, so as I come before you and your people, I'm just the man. We're all servants of the same God. God, I pray that, that you would speak, your word, and Lord, may the people here hear what you have to say to them, God. So, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I was uh, thinking this week, of the things that I learned in marriage. Um, I've only been married about, what, nine months now. Nine months and uh, 14 days, is that right? <laughs> but the things that I learned in, in marriage, the top three, that uh, being a bachelor is not okay when you're married. Um, <laughs> that a neat and tidy place does make life a little more enjoyable. And then throwing away things that I, I really don't need, I'm not going to miss it. You know, but but one of the, the great things about marriage, it, it opens my eyes to so many new things. Uh, one, one thing that I remember just a few weeks ago... Um, I know my wife, he, she's really into to plants and, and flowers and, and decorating the whole place. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. Let, let's do this. And um, we were invited to a housewarming party uh, to my cousin's place in Chicago. And we're thinking about what should we get him and, and his wife. And so we went to Dominic's and we're looking at plants and and we saw this nice plant with, with all these orange flowers, and, and we're like, oh, that, that, that's great. Uh, I didn't use the word pretty, but I said, like, well, well that, that, was, that looks great. <laughs> but, um, so we bought one, but we liked it so much that we wanted to buy one for our home. So we bought two, we walked out, and we had two. And then as the weeks went on, we, we watched this plant from its beautiful orange color, and and we watered it. We didn't water it too much. We watered it. And then after a while, the, the, the flowers started looking a little dingy. And, and they started dying. And, and things started flying off. They're like crusts everywhere. And we're like, oh, this, this does not look good. You know, we killed another one. <laughs> and then, but, but we looked at And then my, my wife, she looks and says, oh, look, there's a bud. There's a little bud in here. Oh, no, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And and she saw all these things, and she started picking off all, all the the dead flowers, and and then we we kept it, we watered it because the plant looked fine, but the flowers died, and and after a couple more weeks, these new flowers started to bloom, and it was it was great. I was like, whoa, it's it's even more colorful than the the original, and uh, my wife was like, call your cousin, make sure they didn't throw away the plant. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, but, you know, a lot of times the normal person would throw it away because it seemed useless. It it didn't produce flowers anymore. And and that led me to believe or think about, you know, today's message. You know, as as we look at God, that as the broken people we are, the people that we are before God, when we seem useless, when other people see us as useless, God doesn't. He sees the little buds in us, and he's waiting us for us to grow. Um, so I want to talk about this man who went through this type of makeover. Um, the, the title of the message is Extreme Makeover, God Edition, right? So... Um, My big idea, I'll mention it again throughout the the passage or the sermon, is our broken past covered by God's grace will lead us to a redeemed future. All of our junk in, in the view of the cross will allow us to live a life for Christ. Let me repeat that again. Our broken past covered by God's grace will lead us to a redeemed future. All of our junk in view of the cross will allow us to live a life for Christ. Let's turn to uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. And uh, as I go through this message, you'll, you'll think, wow, that's an odd place to start. Um, but let, let's read it together. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. It says this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I want to take a, a closer look at the life of Paul. You might recognize his name. He wrote many books in the New Testament, all these letters, um, most of our memory verses that we learn as children growing up and even now they 're probably from one of paul 's letters and churches would would write up guidelines on the church and and get all their foundational verses from Paul and these letters because he loved the churches. He is actually one of my favorite characters in the bible paul i mean i would I would love to name my Kid Paul, you know because it's such a great name, but being a Paul Park and looking at the initials uh, you know <laughs> might might not be the best thing to do, uh, but he is that guy that that you would want to imitate so why Paul? why bring out this this great Christian character well. For me, I like contrasts. I like seeing things in contrasts. It kind of engages my mind uh, for some reason. Like the other day, you, you, know, you know, when you tr- you're driving, you kind of notice all the filth and grime on your windshield, and, and, and it, it just bothered me. So I took the windshield, and I cleaned it all off, and then it's like, wow, I can't see the windshield anymore. You know, but that contrast was there. Like, like that first time, if you remember, high-definition TV like whoa honey look at this high definition standard definition high definition standard definition do you see the difference <laughs> you know so so we want to see that contrast you know and, and also you know as a title of my sermon extreme home makeover you know when they finish this whole new house they give you a pan shot of that one room and the after, look at the before, ooh, the after. And, and they pan between the two so you could see, wow, what a difference. And it, it kind of engages our mind like that. And so I bring Paul because there's this contrast. And I hope that, that after this sermon that, that we could see that contrast, to see what an amazing God we serve. A broken past covered by God's grace will lead us to a redeemed future. So let's take a step back. Let's look at Paul before he met Christ. Actually, by then he went by Saul, but I'll just say Paul to remove all confusion. So let's take a look at him before Christ. This man was intelligent In Acts 22.3, he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Tarsus, it it was known as one of the major educational centers back then. Its university, there was... Probably one of the most well-known. I and mean, It doesn't say that Paul went there, but I, I think if if we conclude, I think he did. You know, because he was he was that smart. He a lot of scholars suggested it, and then he studied under this man named Gamaliel. He was one of the most well-respected people back then. Really good knowledge of the law, and he was one of the brightest men back then. So, men back then, so Paul learned under him. You know. Um, for all you Bible nerds out there, um, back in, in when I took some classes up in Gor- Gordon-Conwell, um, I, was, uh, I slept at this uh, brother's place one night because I was in Canada and I had to make the Canada-Seattle trip. So I slept there to take on the class, and he's like expa- explaining how he's studying under Gordon Fee. And I'm like, whoa, Gordon Fee, 1 Corinthians. Never mind. <laughs> but but he, he makes he made one of the best like uh, um, commentaries for 1 Corinthians. So Paul, he was smart, he was intelligent. Number two, we could see that he was a Pharisee. Pharisees were pretty much the lawyers of that day. They knew the law, they knew the word of God, they knew everything. They. They took the Old Testament and followed everything. They could probably recite all the laws of Moses. But they didn't really take the spiritual consideration of it. They held people accountable to a list of rules. I know PD went over these these ridiculous rules that they made up. One is, you know, Jesus healed these people on Sabbath. And the Pharisees are like, what? What are you doing? Why are you healing these people? You know, you're working. You're sinning. And they had all these ridiculous rules. These were the Pharisees. You know, but, you know, some, some place in my mind, I, I want to give the Pharisees some credit because they were very passionate to what they believed. How many of you guys have thought of something or believed in doing something that was so wrong your whole life until somebody revealed something to you that you've been doing it wrong this whole time? You know, I think PD would would use a Mac for that example, right? If you're losing PCs, you just don't know, <laughs> you know, just to go to Mac. You know, I, I think marriage has opened my eyes. You know, a lot of things I did as, this is what I did as a 37-year-old man, and this is what I will always do. And and my wife comes and is like, no, that's not how it's done, honey. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, going back to my first example, you know, I... I I'm a pack rat because I like keeping stuff because I might need to use it later. Early on, within the first couple of weeks, he's like, honey, um, this bottle of ketchup has expired in August, three years ago. (laughs) You know, so, you know, all these things that I thought was so right, you know, let's keep it so I don't have to buy it again. But no, buy it (laughs) later, it's better. You know, but then... So we see this view that the Pharisees, they believed in something with so much passion. And we can't, we can't fault them for that. But they believed in something so wrong. And we see Jesus' view of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 1 through 3. I won't go over the, the whole thing, but he called them hypocrites. He called them showy, just wanted to be seen by men. Prideful, unmerciful clean on the outside, but full of robbery, self-indulgence, and filth. Whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but filled with dead man's bones. They were on the path to hell. Jesus did not think very highly of the Pharisees. Paul, he was a Pharisee. Philippians 3, 4 through 6, he says, Though I myself has reason, have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This was a man's man. This was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he was a persecutor. Some may call him a murderer. In Acts 8, verses 1 through 3, this is after Stephen was stoned to death. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul, Paul, was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Paul approved the stoning of Stephen. If you look in the Greek, it's actually more... It says more. It's more like, better translated, to take pleasure with others. Paul took pleasure in this, to see the stoning of Stephen. I don't know, but that's like, that's in the same heart of those murderers there. He took pleasure in this. Verse 9, 1 through 2. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Right now, I, I kind of picture a guy who's going a little insane, going a little mad, so full of hate towards these Christians. In fact, you know, it, it says that he went to ask for permission for letters Damascus was already out of his jurisdiction. The Christians fled. But he's like, I want them so bad that, that he had to get that permission to, to persecute them. I think at this point he lost his mind. I, I don't think Paul would have listened to reason at all at this point. I would be scared of a guy like Paul and I would run too. You know, the the movie Gladiator does such a great job of the villain and the hero and and whatnot. Commodus, you know, this evil guy just wanted power to himself and he did anything he could possibly do to get that power. We look at this same guy, Paul. I bet if he were in the crowd when Jesus stood before Pilate, he would too say, crucify him. Crucify him. Our broken past, covered by God's grace, will lead us to a redeemed future. All of our junk in view of the cross will allow us to live a life for Christ. Acts three. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him the Damascus Road. What happened here? God forgave him. Think about those words. God forgave him. This man just described the persecutor of the church, a Pharisee, who hated all Christians and could be fine with all Christians dead. This was Paul, and God showed his grace to him. And the story goes, he was blinded. And then God called him to go to a house where this man Ananias came in and healed him and told him the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And from that, that moment, his eyes were healed and he was changed. A broken past covered by God's grace will lead us to a redeemed future. Paul, as a redeemed man, the makeover. Let's go back and take a look at Paul's life. This is the same man we're more familiar with now. Paul went out witnessing for Christ. He went on three missionary journeys, planted church left and right. He wrote letters to the churches to help them go through their issues and their problems. And he loved people. He discipled Timothy. He discipled other people. He poured out his heart for fellow believers in Christ. He was a leader. He loved people like crazy. He loved his flock. He loved Jesus. This was a man who was changed. Changed by God's grace. And then we look even further from just loving people. 2 Corinthians 11, to 27 says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Imagine him as a Pharisee. Would he go through this? Look what he gave up. He was flogged for the gospel. Possibly accused by the Pharisee that he once was. He was constantly running from danger. He was constantly running for his life. He was a well-respected man in the world's eyes. After Christ He's almost struggling to get his next meal. Philippians one through 3-5 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The letter to the Philippian church was his joy letter. Guess what? He was in prison. He went from the life of persecuting Christians and throwing them into jail to being persecuted and thrown into jail. He went from the life of steering people away from the cross to a person who couldn't run faster towards it and wanted to bring everyone along with him. He went from the life of having everything the world had to offer to Having nothing from the life of being spiritually dead, he had Christ. This is an extreme makeover. The man was changed. Now, let's go back to that opening verse and see the contrast. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. i finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This man had a broken past covered by God's grace. He lived a life for Christ. So what does this all mean today? A broken past covered by God's grace leading us to a redeemed future. What does that mean? Church, if I can encourage you, what is your past like? I see too many people living in the present who have not really coped or dealt with their past. All of their baggage, it goes into that marriage video. All of their baggage, all of their junk. They haven't dealt with it. Paul knew his past. He dealt with it. It was very real to him. It was exposed. He knew what he was back then. He loved persecuting Christians back then. He was passionate about locking them up. And he really didn't care if they died or not. But he knew that. He knew all of it. But he dealt with it. In Galatians 1.13, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how he persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. This was Paul. He had to come in terms with this past. Because guess what, Church? If you don't deal with it, it will come to bite you. That right there, Paul's past, that's bait for Satan. To come and be the accuser. Satan probably in his ministry tried using his past against him. Paul, how could you possibly share the life of Christ with others? when you had them locked up? Don't you feel guilty? Do you really think they'll, they'll accept him once they find out who you really were? Remember the time when you approved of Stephen's death? Wasn't that great? Remember the time of the families you ruined and locked them up for their faith? do you really think you're fit to share the gospel? Or it could remind him of his pride, as Bobby was saying and sharing. You're better than these folks. You've been educated by the best. You shouldn't have to listen to to other Christians around you who, who don't agree with you. You could earn more money and support your own ministry all by yourself easily. Paul didn't react these things. Why? Because he knew God covered his past. He knew God covered everything. He was freed. He was freed from his sins. He acknowledged this. And after being covered, he was able to proclaim God so freely. So freely. 2 Corinthians 12, the later part, and and verse 9 said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our broken past, covered by God's grace, will lead us into a redeemed future. God's strength will grow even brighter in view of our broken past. When we look at how messed up Paul was, do we look at that anymore, really? You say, oh, Paul, that Pharisee. No, we don't. We, we we see Paul as redeemed, as a lover of the gospel, a lover of Jesus Christ. For like without with Paul, how are we to our brothers and sisters here? A brother and sister in Christ, if they confess all of their condemned junk? are we going to accuse them of their sins? We see the grace of God covering them. You know, do you remember last week when Pastor Dave spoke, he spoke about a Christ-centered community. He spoke about Jesus being the glue that holds us all together. If he's a glue, he's a pretty strong glue. Wouldn't it be easier to live together in our brokenness so that we could comfort one another, so that we could minister to one another to see what God is doing in our lives. Really, take some time to look at your past. I bet you that there's brokenness going on. Too many people run this race thinking that they're free. The funny thing is, this is their norm. They run around with shackles of their past, their sin, of their shame, of their guilt. You know, I'm not just preaching this to you. As a seminarian or as a Bible student. But I preach this... And I speak about this because this is something I deal with every day. The stuff that I've gone through, I've let my past paralyze me so many times. I let my past carve out the way I I relate with people. I've hid all my junk from God and from other people so long, and it got tiring. It got really tiring. Satan would often use that. He would attack my my self-esteem when I'm not on guard. He will accuse me of being worthless, incompetent, being a fool. How many of you guys are familiar with those lies? When that part of me gets to me, I can be a complete wreck. In response, I'll be either angry, I'll lash out at people, I'll fight hard for being heard because no, I'm not like that. I will fight when Satan uses that against me. Or in the worst case, I might fall into a state of depression. I might not want to be with anybody. I might want to just be alone. I might search for immediate worth People, praise me, please. I need to feel like I'm worth something. I let other people's praises and their thought about me define me rather than allowing God and His gospel and His grace and His love define me. Christ was made powerful in my weakness. You know, um, I was thinking about this a lot and thinking about my past and, and I was thinking about my wife and when I see her, I see the cross. I see God redeeming me for all these broken relationships that I might, may have caused in the past, for all this brokenness that I wasn't willing to deal with, I believe God waited for that moment until I was able to look at my past and see God's grace just cover it. Say, Christian, I love you. I want the best for you. And when I see he, I remember that. His grace covered my past, and I have proof in Christ, in a changed life, and a beautiful wife. So, what's your story? What is your story? Really, it breaks my heart to see people living in their past. If you've had a bad upbringing, let God cover that. If you've been abused physically, emotionally, sexually, Let God cover that. Expose it to him. If you've been rejected in the past and and you struggle with rejection every day, God will not reject you because he will cover you with the cross. He will cover you with his grace. If, If you've been told all your life that you will amount to nothing, guess what? God thinks everything about you. He gave up his only son for you. He will not reject you. The response some of us still like to cover it up alcohol, pornography, just working out, hanging out with friends. What are you covering up your shame with? God can see that. It's no point hiding these things from God. What is your mental escape? Put so much effort into hiding something that God already knows. Wouldn't life be so much easier to know that God covers these things? Wouldn't it be so much easier if you could just live in your brokenness? Say, God, here I am. Take me, use me as I am. And for those of you who have dealt with this, praise God. Praise God. We need people like you. So if this message does if if this seems I've done that, I've I've dealt with it. Good. Lead other people. Lead other people to see the the wonderful message of the cross. Breathe life into them. Or maybe you're coming here for the first time and you're zoning out. You don't want to hear any of this. Maybe you're saying, Christian, you don't even know the junk in my life. How dare you speak that to me? Guess what? God is here for you. You're here to hear something from the mighty, powerful Savior. Now is the time. He wants to free you from everything. Are your guilt, are your shame, are all your weaknesses, all your shortcomings? God wants to fill you with his grace, You know, um, youth, I I can't stop uh, stop thinking about you because I did youth before, but learn this now. If there was anything I could speak to you guys about, learn this now. Confront your insecurities when you're young. Confront your shame, your sins, your addictions with the Lord while you are young. Believe it or not, life will get harder when you get older. Run this race without shame. You know, it might be on your bulletins, but uh, your homework this week. If you can share with someone close to you something that you've never shared with them before, maybe a regret, maybe something that you're shameful of, it may be a sin that nobody else knows or maybe something else. Share that and see what God can do. Can we flash up uh, Romans 8, 1 through 2? If you can put this to heart. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let me read that again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Allow God's grace to cover you. Remember, our our broken past, covered by God's grace, will lead us to a redeemed future. Let's pray. I know we we ended kind of early, but I wanted to take some time to, to just pray. Just ask the Lord to reveal something to you. could be that you're blocking something out and and you don't even know what's going on, but you know something's wrong. Can can you ask the Lord to reveal that to you? Ask him to reveal and uncover the deep things in your life, that that you have this this deep desire, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to give everything for you. I, I want to live for the gospel. But Lord, there's something holding me back. Pray that to him right now. Give that to him. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.